listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. This is the post-game show for the New York Knicks against the Charlotte Hornets. We saw that game go into overtime, and the final score is 134, the New York Knicks, and 131, the Charlotte Hornets. The New York Knicks won this game in OT. There were many different factors and reasons why the New York Knicks won this game. We're going to go through that. Some game breakdown, some analysis of things that I thought helped the Charlotte Hornets stay in this game and keep digging into that Knicks lead. What I thought the Knicks did, a couple of things in regards to certain players that I thought excelled. I definitely want to talk about Obi Toppin and minutes because... I'm scared. We're going to get into that. Evan Fournier, I've seen enough. We're going to get into that as well, too. Um, and then we're going to close out with uh, previewing the Bucks game on Friday at 8 p.m. against the Knicks. That one is going to be one of the tougher games that we play moving forward. So I can't wait to talk about that. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about tonight's game. Charlotte against New York. I didn't think Charlotte was going to come this hard and do as much damage to the Knicks as they did. But with a little bit of journalism and research, I figured out one of the main reasons why the Charlotte Hornets took it to the New York Knicks and made the game so close. The three-pointer. Fun fact, the Charlotte Hornets currently today as a team shoot 41.6% from three. You know what that equates to? third best in the league so yeah probably not the best idea to have a shootout with these guys because if you have a shootout with these guys it's probably going to be a close game I'm not saying we shot it out with them but we did not close out on their shooters we allowed them to shoot a lot of threes their corners almost were wide open because of good ball movement on Charlotte's side I'll give them that Charlotte's defense after the first quarter took an entirely different tone. They became more serious. They became more man-on-man. Their switches were better. They were communicating. So give it to Charlotte. They didn't make this game easy by any means. They were missing a lot of pieces. You know, obviously the the Miles uh, Bridges situation is there. You got LaMelo Ball injured. A couple of key players are out for the Hornets. So a lot of players that they had had to step up. And one of the players that stepped up, unfortunately, was a former Nick in Dennis Smith Jr. I don't even know where this guy came from. Last I heard, he was going to the NFL. But even he was making threes and making plays inside and finding teammates. And he looks bigger. And his athleticism and his size seem to help him against Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks. I didn't expect it from, you know, Smith. I'm happy that he found a new role. I didn't like that he did this to the Knicks. But, you know, it seems like anytime a foreign player plays the Knicks and he has something to prove, which I believe Smith here did, he tends to, people tend to go off and he went off a little bit uh, here. But again, we're going back to one of the reasons why the game was so close. And it was the three ball mover from Charlotte, 
improved defense and the way they shot the three. Their threes were falling because of good ball movement, and they had shooters open in the corner. It was a barrage, in essence, of uh, of threes from the Charlotte Hornets. P.J. Washington um, for the Hornets shot almost lights out from three. Kelly Oubre was shooting threes. Um, There's so many other players. Uh, McDaniels was shooting threes from the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, and I wasn't expecting that from him. I know his brother can shoot, um, and he's in Minnesota. And I know he can do very well, too, and he can light it up. And they're expecting a lot of things from him. But I didn't expect this much from his brother as well, too. Both McDaniels brothers are very, very talented, and it shows – on that court they're good at threes they're absolutely good at defense and they're good at ball movement and they play unselfishly so that type of play style with the charlotte hornets seems like it's going to work especially with a more ball dominant guard in lamella ball so i'm curious to see how that team shapes out when everybody's back together and healthy because they play hella hard with you know half their squad missing so it was impressive to see but going back to some team stats let's just go down the uh, list of some of the team stats for this game, because I think it's going to paint a good picture of, again, why the Knicks had this game become so close, because a lot of people felt like I felt like the Knicks should have won this game by double digits or more. The fact that it was so close went to OT. You know, I didn't like that. It was a great game to watch. But I think against the Charlotte Hornets teams that was undermanned, we should have not had the game be this close. But I want to make it completely obvious here. This same Charlotte Hornets team took it to the Atlanta Hawks the other night. So, I mean, they definitely know how to play. And the Hawks, for whatever it's worth, are seen as a top team in the East. And they beat them. So, that's pretty impressive. All right, going over the team stats, and I'm just going to read this out. So, for field goals, we have the Knicks that shot 52 out of 97 for 54%. And we have the Hornets that shot 49 out of 99 shots and made a total of 49%. So, you know, field goal, obviously, they, they made a ton. They had a lot of shots. We let them shoot 99 times. Uh, they made it in 49 times, 49%. That's uh, quite high. And, you know, if we're going to let shooters shoot, they're going to make some in. It's just a fact. So, you know, we got to close out on the shooters. From three-point range, they were 42%. I told you they're a good three-point shooting team. They took 31 threes and made 13 of them. The New York Knicks, conversely, took 30 threes and made 11 of them for 37%. So we weren't as efficient from three. However, our points in the paint, we nearly destroyed them with 74 points in the paint. So we did a lot of damage in the paint. And I like that. I like that because if the three is not falling, which it wasn't for the most part. I mean, we did shoot 37%, but we made 11 threes and we shot 30 of them. So when the threes weren't falling, we took it to the rack. And that's the that's basically been my mantra throughout this season. If you're not going to be able to hit the shot from three, then give yourself a little bit of confidence by going to the rack, making an easier shot, seeing the ball go in, get that confidence, and then it'll help inspire your game to make maybe other more difficult shots that you wouldn't have been able to make beforehand. I'm a big believer in seeing that ball go through the hoop as a player to give you more confidence to want to see it happen again and again and again. So that's important. I don't want to, you know, take that off the table. The Knicks did that. I was very happy to see that. Going back over to the team stats, we see that the New York Knicks turned the ball over 16 times, which is a season high for them, and 15 turnovers for the Charlotte Hornets. So we need to clean that ball up. We need to take care of that ball, and we have to make the right passes. We are making very, very odd, questionable passing choices. 
either because we weren't paying attention or our man was moving or we just weren't reading the flow of offense. So we got to do a little better of that, take care of the ball. We have been doing that for the most part, but we got to play a little better in that regard. Um, rebounds, we were 46 uh, to 42. So pretty even there. I would hope and would think that the Knicks could get, you know, more rebounds than the Hornets, considering the fact that you got Mitch and, you know, he's one of the better uh, rebounders in the NBA. So I expect a little bit more of us to clean up the glass. And to be honest, I think if we clean up the glass, get more second chance opportunities, we could have absolutely blew this game open. So we got to be mindful of that too. I think with Mitch and Hartenstein being our bigs, there should be no reason that we're not, you know, killing teams more on the boards. Uh, beating them by four boards is not enough in my opinion. Um, blocks. Oh my God. The New York Knicks folks, if you didn't know, attended a block party yesterday. You know who threw it? Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson is a defensive menace because no matter what you do, Mitchell Robinson will find you in some way trying to shoot. He'll time you right and either block your shot or alter it. And that's what he's been doing throughout this entire regular season thus far, and especially during the Hornets game yesterday. During the Hornets game yesterday, he had six blocks. He didn't foul out. He had nine points um, and eight rebounds. I would like to see his rebound count go up a little bit more. I don't like the fact that it's you know down. However, again, the Hornets were shooting a lot of threes, and they were pulling Mitch out trying to get him, you know, to the three. So that way they can pass the ball a little bit more freely and either get some points in the paint or get in a more open three on the corner, which is what the Charlotte Hornets did. And again, that's why they made their way back into the game, the way they shot the three. But the reason that the paint points for them weren't high and the reason we were having them shoot the threes or the reason that they were even shooting threes in the first place is because the paint was not a give me. The paint right now, today, is owned by one, Mitchell Robinson I'm sorry you can't enter the paint without a ticket okay and if you go into the paint without a ticket Mitchell Robinson is going to escort your ass out and block the crap out of you six blocks six blocks my man almost had a double double in points and blocks he could be a triple double threat with points rebounds and blocks and because of where he shoots the ball, he's nearly automatic when he catches it inside because of his strength and athleticism. Mitchell Robinson has been on point during this season. He played 30, uh, 37 minutes last night. And you know that Coach Thibodeau wants him in that game. You know Coach Thibodeau wants his defense during late game type of situations like this. And it works and it helps. And he was a big factor to why the Hornets did not come back after we went in OT. Jalen Brunson was a big factor. We're going to get into him. Julius Randle as well, too. But Mitchell Robinson was one of the biggest factors of why the New York Knicks won this team. Crazy interior defense, block party all day. Paint was his. An unstoppable when it came to catching the ball inside the paint and dunking and slamming it down. Mitchell Robinson had himself a game yesterday. And if you didn't notice that, you weren't watching. It's not always about the points. It's about how impactful you are. Sometimes you could score five points and five rebounds, but you could have a plus, you know, 37. Why? Because it's about what you do sometimes, your actions that help alter, affect plays, how you switch, how you talk, where you are, positioning. It all matters. And Mitchell Robinson did that in spades. Could not be more proud of Mitch. One of the key reasons 
we won last night's game was because of Mitchell Robinson. Don't get that twisted. Without Mitch, we would not have won that game last night. Six blocks, six blocks. Ridiculous. Bravo. Magnificent from from Mitchell Robinson. Loved what I saw. Again, final score from tonight after the OT victory for the New York Knicks against the Charlotte Hornets was 134, the New York Knicks, 131, the Charlotte Hornets. I want to go to a little concerning point. And I gave Tom Thibodeau four games. Now, maybe that's not enough for some people. Maybe they want me to wait longer and not say anything. Maybe they want me to hush my mouth and not say a word. Too bad. Not doing it. I gave Tom Thibodeau four games before I talked about this. I didn't even mention it. You have no idea what I'm about to even talk about. Minutes. Minutes distribution. Let's talk about it. I don't want to mention Cam or all these other people because, you know, Cam had an increased role last night because Fournier fouled out. And we're going to get to Fournier. Trust me. We're going to get to Evan Fournier. But before I do, Obi Toppin played 13 minutes last night. Hartenstein played 16. That's not enough. I don't know even what to say anymore. You have Obi Toppin playing 13, 14 minutes a night. You're okay with Toppin playing 13, 14 minutes a night. Obi Toppin, by the way, in 13 minutes had nine points, three rebounds, two assists, was three of six from the field, three of four from the three-point line, and uh, only committed one personal foul throughout that entire time. Now, he was a minus three on the plus minus. I'll give you that. But when he came in, he made an impact off that bench, not only with his dunks, but for last night's game, with his threes, they were draining and falling. He was shooting them when he was open. A Tom Thibodeau apparently a mantra now. When you're open, shoot it. And that's what he did, and he made them. And he made it when it counted, and we needed those buckets when he made them in. I thought Obi had a great game. And that's why I am so shocked that he only played 13 minutes. Obi Toppin is such a talent that he needs more minutes to break out and show what he can do. Because I think we haven't even scratched the surface in seeing what Obi Toppin can do. That man with consistent minutes, 20, 25 minutes a game, a night, you'll start to see some amazing things from Toppin. I truly believe that. But if Toppin continues to play 13, 14 minutes a night, there is no point of having Obi Toppin part of this team. He's not going to make an impact enough. He's not going to show you enough. And 14 minutes, with all due respect, is atrocious and not enough time for a talent like Obi Toppin. It's disrespectful at this point, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these minute distributions. Coach Tom Thibodeau, you played Julius Randle 40 minutes. You played Jalen Brunson 41 minutes. You played R.J. Barrett 39 minutes. Uh, Mitchell Robinson 37 minutes. Evan Fournier played 24 minutes, but guaranteed if he didn't fall out, he would have been up there in 30-plus minutes. We got a problem here, Thibs. You are not going to play these kids 40, 45 minutes a night for 80-something for games and expect them 
to not be tired, burnt out, or something indifferent by the time they get to the end. In your post-game interview, you said that you love your depth, but you can only play 10 people. No, 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 no. 10 people is what you like to play. But if you like your depth, then you have to utilize your depth. If Randall is playing 40 minutes a night, every single night, and you're giving Obi top in 13 minutes, that's a problem. The minutes need to be distributed better. I get it, though. Some nights, Obi's going to be on or Randall's going to be on. And on that night, maybe Randall plays a little bit more minutes than Obi. I'm okay with that. I won't complain about those things. But if it's going to be on average consistently that Randall gets 39, 40 minutes and Obi gets 13, 14 minutes, I'm not on board with that. I can't be. There's, it's impossible. You're not going to play Obi top in 13, 14 minutes and have me sit up here and be happy about that. I don't care how good Julius Randall's is playing or how good Julius Randall looks. It still doesn't make sense to play Julius Randall 40 minutes and play Obi top in 13 to 14 minutes. It doesn't make sense. So what that tells me is, Tom Thibodeau needs to find a way to play Julius Randle and Obi Toppin together. Because at this point, if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to play Obi Toppin in significant minutes enough to see what he can really do and see if he deserves a spot on this team or not, to see if he deserves to get paid or not. The Knicks just extended Obi Toppin. Because again, it was dumb not to. It was a team-friendly deal. So of course you're going to do that. And he's a talent. And you haven't seen what he can do yet. But isn't it kind of shocking that he's almost in year four and we haven't seen what Obi Toppin can do yet? That's a pretty significant statement. We need to be able to see what Obi Toppin can do from a year in, year out basis. And he needs minutes to do that. And he's not getting it with this Knicks team under Tom Thibodeau. And I don't know if he ever is going to get consistent minutes like that under Thibs. I don't know what he can do. But the only way I see that happening is if Toppin and Randall play together. And until that happens, Obi will continue to have these, you know, very, very minor minutes. And it's terrible for a player of his caliber. And this is on Coach Stibbs beyond anybody else. Make time for these young players so you don't burn out your starters. It's simple. We got to do that. Now I'm going to move on to a person that I've seen enough of. I've said it in the beginning. I'm going to say it again. Evan Fournier. I've seen enough, bro. I've seen enough. He is not a starter for this New York Knicks team. Start Cam. Start Grimes. Start anybody else that has some type of defensive-minded strategy in their head. But do not, for the life of me, start Evan Fournier again. Say shooting to me as many times as you feel the need to say it. He had 11 shots yesterday. The most shots I think he took all season. So they were looking for him. And against a Charlotte team that shoots threes, you want to kind of counteract that with your own threes. So they tried to find him. Uh, he made six of 11 shots uh, from the field. And uh, he made two of six three-pointers. So he didn't make a lot of threes, but he took he made a few. And the shots that he did make, you know, six out of 11 ain't a bad statistic to have in terms of shooting. So I'll give him that. But that's all the praise I'm willing to give him. And that, by the way, those shooting and all that type of things, he can do that off the bench as a scoring punch, which I think would be better. And I think he'd have an easier time doing it and cooking against some benches versus some starters. 
and this is my personal opinion, but at the end of the day, we saw that Evan Fournier, who, by the way, played and tried to play as good a defense as he could have played against his Hornets team, constantly got beat. And when he got beat, he got mad. And when he got mad, he used his hands. And when he used his hands, he got called for a foul. That's why he fouled out. Defense is not about playing with your hands, okay? You don't play defense with your hands, swiping, hitting an arm, stuff like that. And that's what Fournier does. He tries to get the steal more than he tries to defend. And sometimes he gets a steal, but most of the time he'll end up hitting the guy in the arm, hence the foul. And then he questions the foul. Like he doesn't understand that if you hit somebody in the arm, it's not a foul. You can't complain about obvious fouls like that. He clearly fouled people. He clearly fouled out. He was playing subpar defense. He got blown by quite a few times. And when he didn't get blown by, he was fouling guys because he tried to keep them in front of them. And he couldn't do it because he's not fast enough. I gave you so many reasons just now why Evan Fournier, for all the shooting he gives you, opens you up hugely as a defensive liability. Enough is enough. Evan Fournier, get the fuck off of the New York Knicks starting lineup. I don't want to see you on it any longer. Start Reddish or start Grimes when he's ready and back. I have seen enough of Fournier in the starting lineup. No more. I'm done. Start somebody else. R.J. Barrett. You knew I was going to get into it, right? R.J. Barrett has largely been ineffective, non-impactful in these last few games. His best game has come against the Detroit Pistons. That is not a good stat. He's trending in the wrong direction in terms of efficiency and effectiveness. He's not hugely effective. And when his shots are not falling, his defense wanes a little bit as well, too. So when you're playing subpar defense, and you're not playing great offense, I don't know what I can say about your game at this point. I expected so much more from R.J. Barrett this season, and he's not given me anything of what I expected. He's really given me less than what I expected from him. I expected jumps in a lot of categories. I expected him to finish better at the rim. I expected him to have, you know, more fakes in his game so that way he can juke people, get them up, so he can get an and one or potentially just go to the line. I expected so much more stuff from R.J. Barrett, and I get it. People are going to tell me it's a slow start, a slow start, a slow start. How long am I supposed to hear this? How long am I supposed to be okay with slow starts? Four games, five games, six games, 10 games, 30 games, 50 games? How long is a slow start not a slow start anymore? How long is it just being bad and ineffective and not impactful? Let's go through RJ Barrett's stats from yesterday. So he played 39 minutes, scored 22 points, eight rebounds, one assist, and in order to get those 22 points, he had to take 21 shots, and he made nine of them. He made no threes and took five of them. He was four for four from the free throw line. I'll give him that. Some clutch free throws at the end as well, too, which the stat sheet doesn't say. So I'll give him props on that because during crunch time when he needed it most, he hit those free throws. And no matter what, it's about winning. And the Knicks, we won that game. So I will give R.J. Barrett that. 
clutch from the free throw line. We absolutely needed them. But that's it. He was a plus eight. So you know he played defense and he definitely stepped up in the second half. I will give him that. Closing the third quarter, he didn't do that well. And I think the coach Thibodeau pulled him out because he really wasn't effective. And you replaced him with Cam Reddish. But coming into that fourth quarter, I think he understood that. He stepped up. He made some good shots. He took better shot selections. He was going into the paint when he got blocked or whatever the case would be. He wouldn't give up. He would just go back again, try, try, try again, pushing the pace and pushing inside with his strength. So I did like what I saw from R.J. Barrett a lot in the fourth quarter. But why do I have to wait till the fourth to see him play like I want to see him play? That shouldn't be the case. I am sick and tired of these slow starts. He made no threes and took five of them. He needed 21 shots to make 22 points. Widely ineffective from offense. His defense has been good at times, sometimes subpar, but for the most part, it's been solid, which is why he's always normally a plus or the plus minus. However, it's not enough. I am not going to accept these slow starts anymore, RJ. You got to step it up. This is not what we wanted from RJ Barrett this season. Not this slow a start on offense. It's ridiculous. He needs to go to the gym and keep shooting and shooting and shooting and get himself out of this funk. Because I believe in RJ Barrett, and I think he's going to have a great season. But not until he beats these shooting demons and this ineffective offense that he's been providing us. We need more. RJ, step it up, man. Let's talk about some of the stars of the game. We already spoke about Mitchell. Oh, my goodness, though. But let's. J.B. is too goddamn smooth. He played 41 minutes last night, 27 points, 7 rebounds, a career high, 13 assists, 2 of 5 from the 3-point line, 5 of 5 from free throw. He gave you a block, a steal, and you only had 3 turnovers and uh, 2 personal fouls. He was a plus 7 on the plus minus Jalen Brunson is everything I wanted from a actual point guard that the Knicks have worth every friggin penny. That contract is looking so cheap. It's ridiculous. This man's talent is on another level. Jalen Brunson absolutely said this line before the season starts. I think I have another level to show people. I'm seeing that another level right now, breaking down the defense, penetrating, creating for his teammates, making the right shot, high IQ basketball plays. These are what I expect from Jalen Brunson in and out every night now. When Jalen Brunson holds that ball, I don't worry anymore. I'm excited. I may be on the edge of my seat sometimes, but I'm not really worried for some reason. And I think the Knicks team as well believes this too. They trust Jalen Brunson. I trust Jalen Brunson. I think the fan base at this point trust Jalen Brunson. And I think that's all that matters the most. And he said it too. His teammates trust him. They believe in him. And that motivates him and pushes him to continue doing what he's doing, be a better leader, and make the high IQ plays that he does. He is like a second coach out there for this team. And the team listens to him. 
and gets behind him. Randall gets behind him and listens. RJ gets behind him and listens. The entire team does, and they talk about it. And you can see the Brunson effect, if you will, permeate all over this team. And it's a great effect to have because they play with passion, well, loyalty. They play together. They move the ball. It's fun to watch. And Jalen Brunson is the head of that. He spearheads it all because of his high IQ play. I cannot speak enough about Jalen Brunson. Another impressive game. He's probably had the most impressive start as a Nick that I can remember. I can't remember another Nick that has started off his Knicks career in this fashion. It's electric. It's probably one of the top Nick debuts in terms of games this season that I've ever seen. He has been on point. Ridiculous. What a great signing as a New York Knicks fan. I don't know how you cannot be happy at this point. We have a true, legit, JB is real, point guard in Jalen Brunson. Oh, my goodness. What a time to be a New York Knicks fan. Let's go to the other guy that I'm giving a lot of praise to us why we won this game tonight. I'm going to speak on a couple of issues that he had because there were a couple of issues. But for the most part, Julius Randle came through, came up clutch, and gave you what you needed in order to win this game. He wasn't highly effective from his shooting uh, during the um, course of this game. Randall shot seven of 19, so he didn't make a lot of the shots that he took. And from the three-point line, he was zero of two. So he didn't take that many threes, and he didn't make the threes that he took. Uh, he was three of four from the free throw line, and he was a plus uh, six. So I'm not too mad at Randall. I thought he had a really solid game, and I think Randall has been having really solid games throughout this season thus far. But I do have to call him out on that, you know, field goal percentage. Seven of 19 ain't great. I'm glad he didn't shoot that many threes when he didn't see him going in and he shot in the paint more, which is where I think he can thrive. So I'm happy he did that and took it there, especially when the defender is smaller against him, which, you know, uh, Hornets switched a little bit last night, which gave Julius the better matchup. And I thought he tried his best to take, you know, as much impact and as much as he could from that matchup to try to get the Knicks over the hump and get closer and closer and closer away from these guys so we could make a bigger run. But every time we did that, it seemed like the Hornets matched us, hit a three or whatever the case would be to kind of keep it closer, potentially even in that fourth, take the lead. Uh, so, you know, definitely uh, nervous during that fourth quarter. But Julius Randle held us down when we needed buckets. He made them when we needed stops. He helped on defense. So I saw a lot from Julius Randle yesterday. One of the main things I can say, though, from Julius Randle that I saw and I absolutely loved is his leadership. Yeah, he wasn't that effective, you know, from the field goal. Yeah, he probably should have passed the ball sometimes versus, you know, doing a couple of isolation plays that did work for him during the game. But, you know, obviously when you're 7 of 19 and your shots weren't falling as much, maybe try to use those iso plays to make more attempts and plays for your teammates. He did that at times, but I felt like he could have done that a little bit more. Uh, sometimes I felt like he forced the offense through the double team that he was seeing or he forced the offense, you know, through a couple of guys. But he still made a lot of uh, smart basketball plays yesterday, I thought. However... There are some questionable plays he had. One of the main questionable plays he had was when he stopped Dennis Smith Jr. from making an offensive play, a quote-unquote take foul, which is the new rule um, in 2022-2023, which allows the opposing team one shot and the ball. And that's exactly what happened. Julius Randle got a little emotional, 
And, you know, because he didn't get his foul called, just threw himself in front of Dennis Smith Jr. And he got a foul call. What happened happened. And here we are, you know, game closer than we thought. Then Julius Randle on a missed air ball three, tries to box out and ends up touching the ball and making it Hornets ball again. So they get another shot to do damage against us. You know, again, another play that didn't make sense. He should just let the ball go out. Why even touch the ball at that point? Just let the ball go out. Again, he had some questionable plays toward the end, some questionable plays in OT, but for the most part, he held it together. He made the baskets when he counted. And the final shot from Jalen Brunson to Julius Randle, who ran into that paint and got that layup off the uh, off the glass with a hard drive as well, too. That was the Julius that we needed. He came through. He delivered it. He got us closer to winning the game. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And the New York Knicks won. So I am very happy about that. I did see a lot of positive from Randall. Some negative, but way more positive than negative when it comes to Randall, especially in his leadership role. This man has been shining as a leader, picking up his the teammates, getting them back into action, encouraging them, praising them. You saw a shot from R.J. Barrett yesterday. I think it was early in the first or second. He missed another shot. And you could tell it was taking a toll on him. You could tell R.J. was beating himself up about it. He didn't like his shot selection, nor did he like what he did. Julius Randle came over to him, patted him on the chest and said, it's all right, bro. And he kept it moving. Never saw this Julius Randle last year. He wasn't doing this stuff. So he's definitely bought in to this Knicks team, but also he has bought in to playing and trusting his teammates and being a leader and being there for them and making sure that everybody on the team is good, not just him. And I think that's really what's improved his play. And that trust he has for his teammates shows, which is why he passes the ball to everybody or he hockey passes it, which he doesn't get you know any type of credit for, but he does hockey pass it to Jalen who passes it over to Fournier, over to Barrett or over to Obi who's cutting and we get um, easier buckets and baskets. And that's really what matters at the end of the day. The New York Knicks pace is not last. I think they're in the middle of the pack and pace right now, if I'm not mistaken, but they're not dead last that they used to be. If you watch this Knicks team, they are running, they are gunning, and they're trying their best to get the easiest and most effective shot. And a lot of times that is the fast break point when the defense isn't set and you're passing it out to a running or cutting RJ Barrett, Hartenstein, Obi Toppin, whoever it is, to get an easier bucket make a momentum play, and hopefully be able to stop whatever type of run the opposing team is doing before it even starts. If we can do that, run back on defense and set before they get set on offense, we will absolutely give ourselves the best chance to win each and every game every single night. Last but not least, we have the Milwaukee Bucks this Friday at 8 p.m., the Milwaukee Bucks are currently top in the East. They are undefeated at this point in time. And they currently hold a record of 3-0. Giannis, huge part of that. Drew Holiday, huge part of that. When Middleton comes back, he'll be a huge part of that. Yeah, Grayson Allen on that team. Shooter, huge part of that. They have people on that squad that know how to play. Bobby Portis knows how to play that entire team knows how to play well play together and they're unselfish and it starts with Giannis Giannis doesn't care who's the star 
who gets the credit, who scores the most points. He doesn't give a damn. Giannis, like Jalen Brunson in a lot of ways, just wants to win. And he doesn't care how it happens as long as they get the W. So that team, who I expect to be a finals competitor, or at least one of the teams that should be vying for a final spot in the East, is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are one of the most powerful stacked teams in the East. You could absolutely put them in there as a contender for the championships. That's how good their team is. And that's how good Giannis is. This is going to be a true ultimate test for the New York Knicks. One that I think they will step up for and they will accept. But it's going to be very, very, very difficult for this New York Knicks team to beat this Milwaukee Bucks team that's played together for so many years, has so much chemistry together, and knows themselves a lot. I think it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a hard game. It's not impossible to win. The Knicks absolutely have a shot, and they can win if they play together, pass that ball, and take high IQ shots and play good defense. They'll absolutely give themselves a shot to win that game, and they do that every night. They'll have a shot to win every game every night. But this Bucks team, it's going to be very hard to do that against because they are so well-oiled and they are so good together. I'm going to be very curious to see how the Knicks handle a Giannis Atetokounmpo when it comes to shooting, when it comes to free throws, when it comes to in the paint, outside, how he assists and all of that. I want to see what this Knicks team can do against him and how they stop him or at least try to stop him because I don't know if you truly can stop Giannis. He's just a freight train. So that's going to be fun to see. And I'm hoping it's a very competitive game. And I think with this New York Knicks team, one of the things you can hold your hat to is passion, intensity, and competition because they're going to bring it each and every night. Can't wait to see the Knicks against the Bucks this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's going to do it here for the postgame show where we saw the New York Knicks against the Charlotte Hornets and we saw the Knicks beat the Charlotte Hornets in overtime, 134 to 131. What a great game, and I can't wait for the next one. But until next time, Nick fans, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.